have been uh, going through our statement of faith on Wednesday night. I do not intend to stop doing that until we get through it. However, I'm going to pull away from it tonight and uh, try to give you this message that's on our heart tonight. All right, Deuteronomy chapter number 8. I'm going to start my reading in verse number 7 and read down to the end of the chapter, okay? Deuteronomy chapter number 8, starting in verse number 7. The Bible reads, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, and vines, and fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God. We're here, we're, that, that's where we're at today in this land that we live. So then when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drop, uh, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. Now, I'm afraid, let me pause here for just a second, because we live in a nation that's forgot God. It's just possible that we could go through this very situation right here once again, uh, so that God can have the preeminence and show us again as a nation who he is. All right? So Verse number 17, and thou say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do at all, forget the Lord thy God and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face. So shall ye perish because you would not be obedient 
unto the voice of the Lord your God. Heavenly Father, we pray you'd help us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I thought about as we go into this uh, Thanksgiving holiday, we celebrate uh, Thanksgiving annually. And uh, a lot of people, carnal people, unchurched people, uh, will still gather together on this particular holiday. Uh, it's a time when people normally, uh, if, if you don't work a job like Brother Shane, you can get the day off. And uh, you have the opportunity to take a little extra time and gather with family uh, and enjoy each other's company. And, of course, a lot of people have different ideas on what it is to give thanks on this holiday that we celebrate. However, I will say that nationally, for the most part, uh, people observe this particular holiday. And for whatever uh, way that they perceive this holiday, there will be a time that they come together in celebration. But I'm afraid that as a whole, this uh, holiday that we are observing, its true meaning and what it should mean uh, is has been forgotten. Now, we understand reading here this warning that's been given uh, to the children of Israel. It says in verse number uh, 15, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with man. In other words, these, as he's given this warning and this exhortation, he's reminding the children of Israel of all the things that he had done for them. And what we should do uh, this Thanksgiving is, is put ourselves in remembrance of all of the things that God has provided uh, for you and for me, and not only for our families, not only for our church, but for our nation as well. And uh, it says, Who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, verse 16, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this way. As a nation today, people all across this land are of the opinion that they have what they have because of something that they've done. And I want to say, no doubt that it's by the sweat of our face that we eat bread, and no doubt that uh, a man that won't work and provide for his family is worse than an infidel. But we have, we, we know we live, we move, we have our being because he gives it to us, but he provides and gives us provision to be able to have what it is that we have today. And uh, if it wasn't for the mighty hand of God on our life and for his grace and mercy, and you say, well, there's people all across this land that has things that don't serve God. It's grace and mercy on a nation today that's allowing that to be what it is. But it's because of God's mercy and his grace. He said, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which you swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God, walk after other gods and serve them, and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall you perish. This is why, because you would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. As fast as the Lord was taking out these other nations, as the children of Israel had made their way out of Egyptian bondage into the land in which the Lord had promised them, there was some fighting that had to be done. But as fast as those nations fell, the Lord is warning the children of Israel, you will also fall 
if you forget me. And we understand that the wicked shall be turned into hell and what nations that forget God. And so what I, what I challenge you to do this Thanksgiving uh, week as you go and celebrate and you uh, gather around a table and you look at the provisions that God see. We relate Thanksgiving holiday to that of family and meal. That's what we consider. And uh, we, I'm afraid sometimes we sit down and break bread at the house or eat our breakfast and in a rush and in a hurry, we sometimes fail to stop and thank the Lord for the provisions that he's given us. But this particular season, because that's what we've, we've kind of made it out to be, it's, it's, a, it's a holiday of family and, and a holiday of meals. That's what people are looking at. But when we look at that meal, we ought to thank God that we have the provisions that's set before us and that we have the family to set with and to love and to cherish this holiday season. Uh, I, I appreciate what the Lord has done uh, in my life and the, for the blessings that he has put on uh, my life. But there's, it's important today that we not forget that we have what we have, not just by the sweat of our brow, but the provisions that God has made and allowed us to be able to work and have what we have. Turn with me to Luke 22 for just a moment. Luke chapter number 22. I want to read here a particular meal that stands out to me that I think is of importance that we look at. Normally, we would observe the end of November, we would observe the Lord's Supper or partake of the Lord's Supper. And I'm not sure that we'll do that this November, considering what's going on with the pandemic as many people have been sick. But I want to look uh, at this moment. I think it's fitting to look at the, the Passover meal for just a moment. Luke 22 and 7, the Bible says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And you shall say unto the goodman of the house, the master saith unto thee, where is the guest chamber? Where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples. And he shall show you a large upper room furnished there make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he saith unto them, with desire, I had desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So we understand the Lord understands that he is fixing to go to the cross of Calvary and he is fixing to bleed and die. And let me remind you, this Passover meal that they're partaking of exemplifies something. And it started way back in Egypt when uh, the, the Lord was going to bring the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage over into the land of Canaan, the promised land there. And uh, 
Uh, let's just pause here with me in the Gospel of Luke and let me read to you something quickly out of Exodus bearing that thought. The Bible tells us in Exodus, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, and a lamb for an house. Now we understand, and I know that you know this, but we know that Jesus Christ was the spotless Lamb of God. He was as a lamb before the foundations of the world, as we've mentioned just previously, uh, recently. And uh, we see here that the spotless lamb of God, uh, the one that come to take away the sins of the world, is fixing to partake uh, of the Passover meal with his disciples right before he goes and dies on the cross of Calvary. So he is observing what uh, has been observed from the, this time in the book of Exodus all the way through up until this present time. And it's exemplifying what the Lord, or what, what God done in saving uh, the, the children of Israel uh, in this time frame when they were under Egyptian bondage by the blood of a lamb. And so we, we are looking at the, the lamb of God partaking of a meal that is signifying something that happened uh, at, the, at the first original Passover, okay? And so we understand that and if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it uh, up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. Eat not raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. Thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. So we're finding the very first Passover here. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. And you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. So we see the very first Passover from that moment forward. We come to this time in the gospel of Luke when the Lord uh, is with his disciples and uh, we see that it was the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. Now, I like what, when, I, when you read Exodus in verse number, verse number three, it says, speaking unto all the congregations of Israel, saying in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, notice that phrase, if the household be too little for the lamb, 
Let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the soul. Brother Shane, I'm thankful that the household may be too little for the lamb, but the lamb was never too little for the household. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, there's, 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 there's nothing that the Lamb of God, when you, when, when, when he accepted what Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, done at the cross of Calvary, and metaphorically, if you will, uh, partook of his body, as we're fixing to find in Luke, uh, got born again by the marvelous grace of God. He was plenty big enough for this house and for your house. I appreciate that. All right, and so we see here that, uh, the Bible says, and when the hour was come, Luke chapter 22, verse number 14, when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him and he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, let me call your attention to this verse of scripture. Christ is saying that he desired to partake of this meal with his disciples. It was within the Lord's heart to to do this, and he was actually taking time apart to celebrate something that had been. But what had been was pointing to what had not yet come. And so Christ is sitting here knowing what they're celebrating and what it stood for, but he's eating it knowing what he's fixing to do to fulfill what this picture of the Passover meal actually exemplified. All right? And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup. And I like this part right here. Take notice of this. He took the cup and gave thanks. And said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread. And gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying this cup is the New Testament, and my blood, which is shed for you. So they're partaking of a special meal at a special time. And uh, we should always give thanks for the shame. But on Thanksgiving, we gather around with the idea that we're going to cook these big extravagant meals and partake of way more food than probably what we ought to at a given time. And I'm not going to preach on that tonight. I'd have to go to the altar and repent. But what I'm saying is uh, we consider Thanksgiving and that special time. And I want to look for a minute at this special meal that the Lord has given to his disciples and explain to them why they partake of it, what it actually means. And I think that's special that he took 12 men that walked with him day and night and allowed them to not only partake of this meal, but to also see what this meal was representing. And so I certainly appreciate that. But I, I thought it was interesting that Jesus Christ. Now, we've been differentiating on Wednesday nights the different parts of the triune Godhead. And Jesus is giving thanks for something. Now, we understand that. That, uh, that God said, if I were hungry, I would not tell thee, right? And so Christ is partaking of some, uh, or, or, or giving something to his disciples, and he's giving thanks for it. Why, why was he giving thanks for it? Well, I thought it was very interesting that the Lord Jesus Christ would thank, who was he thanking? 
Now, let, let me, let's, let's think about this for a second. Who was he thanking for this meal that was being given to his disciples? He was giving thanks to the Father. And so, let me say this, if, if you'll allow me to say it this way, Jesus was giving thanks for himself. Say, so how is that possible? Because we understand what this meal actually represented. If you read John chapter number 6 and verse number 47, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I send you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, hath eternal life. Now what's wrong with all of mankind today? Let me ask you that. Think about this for just a moment, because people get so tore up and mis misinformed about the blood. Everybody talks about the flesh. My flesh is corrupt, and so is yours. But there's a problem with the blood. And let me say this. When you partake of this flesh, metaphorically, it goes in on the inside. And it does something for the inside. It nourishes this body. And the blood, can I say to you, when you partake of the blood, my, what is my problem? I have a corrupt nature, right? I have blood. I have a blood problem. It took the, the blood for remission of sin. For without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And Christ was born of a virgin, and he was born of a virgin for a specific reason. It did point toward, towards his deity. But we understand after having read the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 20, the other night that Christ's blood was God's blood. And so we, we needed two things. His flesh was given and we partook of his death and we partook of his blood and it's his blood that's been applied to us that makes the difference. Now let me ask you this. We're a child of God, right? Are you a born again child of God? Certainly you are. And so uh, let me let me let me say to you, my children have my blood and my wife's blood. And so I have the blood of Christ applied to my body. And I thank the Lord for that. And when he sees me, he sees the blood of his son, Jesus. He said, Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise it up at the last day, for my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. That is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. Now, let's look at verse 47 again, and let's read verse 58. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life, period. 
We know that, that he that believeth not is condemned already, right? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. But verse 58 says, This is that bread which come down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. So when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with a shame and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior by faith, you've partaken of this flesh, of this bread of life, and of this blood. You don't have to go actually peel off flesh and go drink blood to be born again, but it, it's a picture and a type of the seriousness of the actual problem that mankind had, flesh and blood. And so we needed Christ. And so can I say to you that Jesus give thanks for the cup and he give thanks for the bread. What was he giving thanks for? Himself. But, but who was fixing to partake of this food, this, this blood and this bread? The disciples. And so here's, here's, what I, here's what I want to show you. He prayed over and give thanks to something that was portraying him. Why was he thanking himself for himself? Why was he looking at God and thanking himself for something that was exemplifying who he was? Was he boastful? The Bible tells me that he humbled himself unto death. Christ wasn't doing anything about boasting. He wasn't pointing at himself to lift himself up, but he was humbled before all mankind. And so why did he do it? Why did he give thanks for himself? Because when he gave thanks for the bread, he was giving thanks for the bread and for the blood while he looked at the disciples. He could have took the Passover meal by himself with Marvin, but he didn't take the Passover meal by himself. He, he, he didn't go to the Passover. He didn't. What he done is he went and he said, listen, I'm going to offer you bread. I'm going to offer you uh, the, the lamb. I'm going to give you my blood. You're going to partake of this. And he desired to do it with them and he broke bread and he uh, gave the cup and he blessed it and he thanked God for it. But he was thanking God for it because he was looking at what the, the bread, the flesh and the blood was purchasing. See, <laughs> they got to look at the bread and the blood he got to look at the bread, the blood, and the one that it bought. And so when I say that he thanked God as he broke the bread and the blood, he wasn't thankful just of the bread and the blood, but he was thankful for what the bread and the blood was purchasing. So he knew when he went to the cross of Calvary what he was going for. And so can I say to you this special meal, Christ was thankful for you. Now, that kind of caught me off guard. And I'm not trying to make more out of the scripture than what the scripture said. There's a reason why he thanked God for this. He thanked God for something that he was dreading having to happen to his body. Why? Because we're talking about Jesus, the second part of the triune Godhead, the one that had to suffer in that flesh that he wore. But he gave thanks and he gave thanks while he looked at those disciples. Now listen to me, if the God in heaven can look at mankind and give thanks for something that required the blood of his son, how in the world could you and I, in any circumstance, stand in our way tonight of thanking God?
for everything that he's done for us. He didn't let his circumstances stop him from thanking God for you. And we ought not let anything that's going on in our life in this present day stop us from thanking God for what he's done for us. I thank the Lord for that. So Thanksgiving is connected to a special meal and it's a time of family. And I thought about Christmas, you know, it's connected with that of gifts to people. And I'm just thinking, I'm talking carnally here for just a moment. I'm talking about the carnal individual thinks of the holiday of Thanksgiving as family and meal. And and Christmas, they think of tr- Christmas trees and gifts. And uh, I thought about how we correlate this season of Thanksgiving. We roll right out of Thanksgiving, right into Christmas. Some people try to roll right by Thanksgiving and get right into Christmas, but it's 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 something that is really closely knit, closely connected. Now, I personally prefer Thanksgiving over Christmas, but but that's just my that's just what who I am. That's just what I like. I like uh, no strings attached and a time of fellowship, and I like that. But Romans three and twenty three, thinking about gifts and Thanksgiving, I thought about this special meal. Then I thought about this special gift of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that Christmas time, we celebrate that of Christ. is what we're supposed to be celebrating. And he is that gift, right? I mean, he is the ultimate gift. And Romans 3 and 23 said, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That gift is God. That gift is Christ. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 said, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. 2 Corinthians 9, 15 says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. He was thinking about mankind when he offered the bread and the blood He was the ultimate gift, but was thanking God, knowing he was fixing to give his life. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, and I'm done. I'll be done tonight. Starting in verse number 16. And I'm going to read 16, 17, and 18. And these three verses I'd like for you to hang on with tonight. Take them with you uh, as you go into this Thanksgiving holiday, all right? Thessalonians chapter number 5, verses number 16 says, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Verse number 18 says, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now when I... (laughs) you can look at somebody and tell them that they ought to give thanks and everything. And I thought about our church tonight. I thought about how right now in this Thanksgiving holiday, it looks like just about everybody in our church is going through or has gone through something of some magnitude in just the last little while, or is still involved or still mourning or dealing with the effects of something large. And then you get some preacher that comes in and he's having a good day and he wants to look at everybody and say, well, you ought to give thanks for everything. Maybe he ain't going through what you're going through. 
And you might sit there and go, that preacher's just got everything going all right in his life. He don't understand what I'm going through. And I'll be honest with you, friend, I probably don't. I probably don't to the fullest extent. But I'll say this, in consideration of this verse of Scripture, I think about Christ as he broke the bread and the blood and give thanks thinking about mankind, knowing what it was going to cost him. I can't help but look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5 and verse number 18 in a little bit different light. And I know that in everything I can give thanks because of what the Lord Jesus Christ done for you and for me. He said, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So there's three things that we find in 1 Thessalonians 5, and I'm closing. We find that verse 16 tells us to rejoice evermore. Verse 17 tells us to pray without ceasing. And verse number 18 says, and everything give thanks. Three things we ought to do this Thanksgiving. And really every day. But as you go into this holiday, don't allow the carnality of this season to rob you of what it really ought to be about. And that is to rejoice, to pray, and to be thankful. Rejoice is to make joyful, to gladden, to be exhilarated. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says about our singing. We're to, we're to, we're to, we're to sing with, with enthusiasm about what we're singing about, right? Well, that's what we're doing here. We're to rejoice. We're to have some enthusiasm uh, about what it is the Lord done for us. I'm not saying put on a fake smile or act like everything is all right when it's not. But when we can get to the place where we can go ahead and see the goodness of the Lord and the magnitude of what he's done in spite of our problems, we can genuinely rejoice in the Lord and we can pray without ceasing and we can be thankful. Philippians 4 and 4 says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. He broke the bread. He gave of the cup. It exemplified his body, his blood. But he desired to, to have that meal with his disciples. Why? Because he rejoiced in knowing what the sacrifice that he was about to make was going to purchase. And I want you to know we go through trials. We go through times of sacrifice. We go through times of trouble and distress. But there's nothing that we've ever gone through or we ever will go through that he hasn't already endured. And I thank God for that. And so when we consider what we have in him and the understanding that he has, I, I, I say we can rejoice, be glad. And again, I say rejoice. Bow with me, if you will, for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this season and Lord, what it means to us. I pray, God, that we would not forget what we, uh, what has been afforded us in our relationship with Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, when people sit down and they look at that turkey and they look at the potatoes or, or the green beans or whatever they've got on their table, Lord, that they can take a moment and pause and think about that meal and the thanks that was given, that special meal at that special time with those special people. And understand the magnitude of the goodness of God on our life. 
Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for caring for us, for dying for us. Lord, for breaking the bread and offering the cup. And I pray if someone tonight, Lord, in the sound of my voice, has never believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and been saved, that, Lord, tonight or this message would be the message, Father, that would prick their heart and show them what you've done for them. It's a cruel world. People don't think that it's fair. Lord, I'm thankful that, that you're not a fair God. Or if you were fair, I'd surely be in hell tonight. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I wonder if we'd have any announcements or anything before we dismiss tonight. Anything at all.